Welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts program. Let's get started. Welcome back to another edition of the Truth Hurts program with me, Steve Z, your wonderful host. December 15th, 2021. It is hump day. We are 10 days away from Christmas Day. And I'll be honest with you, does not feel like the holiday season at all to me. Not when I read ridiculous stories of yet another 13% double A hyphenated American criminal thug animal who gets killed for his own stupidity, for his own resisting arrest, for his own fleeing the cops, for his own reckless endangerment. And he dies. And then his family cashes in on his thugness. His family gets millions of dollars from a community for a piece of human scat. A Texas county has reached a $5 million settlement with the family of a 13% hyphenated American Blafrican minority by the name of Javier Ambler. He was a 40-year-old black man who died during an arrest in 2019 after shouting the famous phrase that they must teach in those black churches and black schools. I can't breathe! I can't breathe! All while breathing. That's all they have to say is, I can't breathe. And they know that if they die, their family gets a big payday. I can't breathe. All, of course, while breathing. The county will pay $1.6 million out of their coffers, and their insurance company will be paying the remainder, $3.4 million. According to the official Twitter account of Williamson County, Texas, the settlement has been approved by the county's commissioner's court. This thug criminal died on March 28, 2019. You ready for this? Following a car chase that began and traveled through many, many intersections. Williamson County deputies who were accompanied by a reality television camera crew during the chase pursued this criminal fleeing thug animal 13% hyphenated minority man for more than 20 minutes in a high-speed dangerous chase that began in Williamson County and ended in the nearby city of Austin, Texas. Once the cops stopped him and apprehended him, Authorities restrained him, which is what cops are supposed to do. But instead of doing what he was supposed to do, give up, this criminal thug thought he would fight the cops and tried to flee. He did not follow the lawful instructions of the arresting officers. No, 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 of course not. He fought and he flailed and he fled, or at least attempted to. So cops tasered him several times. NBC News showed body camera footage that was previously released by the Austin Police Department, but it also shows this criminal saying, I can't breathe! I can't breathe! A wrongful death lawsuit was filed by this criminal thug's family last year, claiming that sheriff's deputies had launched a reckless pursuit 
in order to produce entertaining television for a show called Live PD. No, they were trying to stop a criminal animal who decided to not stop for the cops. This criminal thug decided to lead police on a high-speed, highly dangerous chase through multiple jurisdictions. In a Twitter statement on Tuesday, the Edwards Law Firm, representing Ambler's family, said they reached a settlement that sends a message that ignoring a person's pleas that they cannot breathe will no longer be tolerated. What about sending a message to the criminal thug animals to simply obey the lawful orders of police? Oh, sorry, I forgot. In Democrat strongholds especially, in high minority populated sections of our country, obeying the law is not a requirement if you are a 13% hyphenated American minority. In a separate statement to the Austin American Statesman newspaper, the attorney Jeff Edwards says that while the Ambler family remains devastated by the loss of their son and a loving father, they are proud that they fought for him. Yeah, devastated by the loss of their thug criminal animal son who refused to follow lawful orders of the cops who endangered not only his own life, but the policemen's lives and every single motorist on the road and pedestrian along the route of his high-speed attempted escape because he was a criminal, a thug. According to the newspaper, the settlement must be paid out in 14 days with Ambler's two little churn going to get $1.5 million each and his parents He's getting $1 million each. In March, a grand jury indicted two former Williamson County deputies on charges of second-degree manslaughter. At the time, the attorneys for those two cops denied that their clients were responsible for his death. They weren't. If the animal would have simply complied with lawful orders of a police officer, let him get arrested, put the cuffs on him, gone to jail, pled not guilty to whatever crime he supposedly committed before a judge, paid his bail, gotten out, waited for his trial, gone to trial, and either been found guilty or innocent, this criminal thug animal would still be alive today. The cause of death was declared a homicide, according to the custodial death report, filed with the Texas Office of the Attorney General. The report, however, says he died of congestive heart failure and hypertensive cardiovascular disease with morbid obesity in combination with forceful restraint. This guy was a walking, talking, ticking time bomb, ready to die. So when you know you're getting ready to croak in the AA 13% hyphenated community, I guess the best thing to do is go ahead and do something illegal, have the cops chase you down and restrain you, make sure you kick and spit and cuss and punch and flail and resist arrest. That way you can enrage the cops and you can be killed by cops and your family can be left with millions and millions of dollars. What a way to go. What a piece of crap. This is the Truth Hurts program.
I thought we were trying to become a more inclusive society. That's what I've been told. Inclusiveness, equity, togetherness, equality for all. Apparently that too is only when it's convenient to the certain 13% hyphenated American minority. Ronnie Reyes wrote an article in the Daily Mail. The title is, Colorado School Segregates Playground for Families of Color. You heard me correctly. A Denver, Colorado elementary school has sparked outrage with a segregated playtime for families of color at its playground. The Centennial Elementary School organized what they called an equity event for families of color to gather and play on December 8th. In other words, no whites allowed. Critics have hit out at the event, which conservative journalist Christopher Rufo called, quote, a racially segregated playtime, unquote. He is correct. He's also one of the nation's leading anti-critical racist theory activists. He told Fox News the event was racism under the guise of equity. He joined a number of people on social media calling on the school to terminate this racist program. After all, keeping Whitey out is the very definition of racism. Remember when it was whites only at the lunch counter, whites only at the fountains, whites only in the pool, whites only in the restrooms? The Blafrican American crowd broke laws to try and get those rules changed, but now they seem to think it's perfectly okay to segregate the playground for black people and keep white folks out. One Twitter user, Jeff Miller, wrote, if civil rights activists of the 1950s popped out of a time machine today and saw all of this stuff, they would infer that their movement had failed. He's correct. Another Twitter user says, we're going to be segregated again, and somehow they will spin it that it's all white conservative males' fault. Another Twitter user mocked the idea that this could be used to promote equity and celebrate diversity. He too would be correct. His writing said the whole racism disguised as progress phenomenon is very backwards. If this continues, the product will desire and request segregated workspace as they age into the workforce. He's right. Children will grow up thinking it's okay to exclude white people from playtime and therefore work time or break time. And that will be sponsored racism. Dave Koppel, a law professor at Denver University, says the event was in violation of Colorado state law that schools do not make any distinction or classification of pupils to be made on account of race or color. I would be suing if I were someone in that area and say I was denied my civil rights and I would open up a civil rights lawsuit and demand between five and $26 million for making me feel as if I am inferior because I am Caucasian. Of course, we reached out to the Denver public school system and we have not received a response, nor has the Daily Mail. Hmm. If you'd like, send letters to Dr. Alex Marrero, M-A-R-R-E-R-O, the Denver Public Schools Superintendent, if you are enraged about this story. 
The Centennial Elementary School officials said the event was formed due to a parent's request, but was open to all families. Bullshit! Here's what their statement said. Our school leaders met with some of the black families whose children attend our school to determine ways for these families to feel more included in our school community. Some of these families shared with us that since the only time many of them see one another is at drop-off and pick-up times, we host some events where black families can meet one another, connect with one another, and share their experiences about the school with one another, and we are honoring their request. All families are welcome to attend all of our events, so families from a variety of backgrounds have done so. Now, the event itself, they claim, was canceled due to COVID-19 protocols, but they say the event will continue in 2022. If I were a white family, I would rush out there immediately and see how I'm treated and make sure to videotape it. If your civil rights are violated in any way, shape, manner, fashion, or form, hire an attorney. Sue, not only the school, but the school district, the school's principal, the organizers of the event, and make sure to get good audio and video of any AA 13% hyphenated minority who tells you whites aren't welcome because they too can violate your civil rights. Some people on Twitter backed the school and said the outrage was backed by empty claims of segregation since supposedly anyone can join the event. One Twitter user said, a one Wednesday in a month event at an open playground for black and brown folks where white folks are welcome, just not forefronted or honored perhaps, is state-sponsored racial segregation? The answer is yes, absolutely. Another Twitter user named Nina wrote, Good grief, a lot of pearl grasping here. Anyone can show up to these kind of events. They aren't exclusive. I beg to differ, and I would love to see the reaction on the dark folks' faces when the whiteies show up, spread out their blankets, and try to participate. Let's see how they're treated. Of course... We may never know the outcome, unless, of course, some white person goes off, starts acting crazy. Then they will be considered the racist troublemakers. That's the way it is in America today. The majority gets screwed, the minorities get pandered to, catered to, because they vote in a block for the Democrats. And this is the way Democrats pay them back. We'll be right back. When I was a young teenager working in little this and that type of odd jobs, I recall wanting to become the manager, knowing that I could have done a better job than the clown that was running the outfit to begin with. One, when I was 13, 14 years old, was a landscaping business. And I often wondered why the manager would go sit in his truck and take a nap while all of us were out doing the landscaping work. Oh, and not to mention, his buddy also got to lounge around and not do much. And I knew for a fact, even as a young teenager, I could have run that crew more effectively and more efficiently. But they looked at me as a 13, 14-year-old kid and said, eh -eh. When I was a bit older, I worked at other jobs, radio stations, and remembered watching absolutely in wonder at how some people got their management jobs and managed to keep those jobs 
doing a piss-poor job at their job. And I said to myself as a teenager, wow, I could certainly manage this business more effectively and more efficiently. But again, I was a teenager and they said, uh-uh. As a young man in my 20s, I worked at jobs and again, looked at the middle-aged men and women who were given management positions for whatever reason, nepotism, favoritism, some longevity maybe. Certainly they were promoted to the level of their incompetence. And now we have a story from the Daily Dot that says, not them having a whole teenager running a whole business. TikToker says she quit Zaxby's Chicken Fingers after the restaurant promoted her to manager at age 17. At 17, I would love to have been the manager of a business, especially if that business was one in fast food, instead of me having to deal with the grease and the cleaning of the toilets and the emptying of the trash cans, I could have been the manager telling people to cook the food, clean the grease traps, empty the trash cans, clean the bathroom, mop the store. Jade Amber writes on TikTok, the video of me returning my keys is crazy. This was in the video's caption, referring to when she quit the job. She says, quote, I was done so dirty but I'm scared to post it, unquote. This entitled, blonde-haired, green-eyed, fit-looking, female, teenage, white girl posted the now viral video on December 12th, and since then it has been viewed nearly two million times. Commenters on the video were surprised that the TikToker had so much responsibility at 17. They wanted her to share the video of her returning her keys. One Kai the French Fry writed, Not them having a whole teenager running a whole business. That's not even a sentence, you dolt. You'll probably never make manager. Another TikTok user said they had to wait until they were 18 before being able to work in a management position. She writes, What places to y'all work where a minor can obtain a management position. No spelling, no punctuation whatsoever. In response to the request that this girl post a video of her turning in her keys, Jade said in another TikTok video, the video showing her doing the most and that she doesn't want to put out the fear of being sued by the restaurant chain. She says, I was very mad. I was very angry. It was uncalled for. I threw my keys at the girl that was working. To further prove she worked at Zaxby's, Jade posted two more TikTok videos showing her in her Zaxby's uniform and working on the job. Commenters on her follow-up videos share they had similar experiences in the service industry. One person writes, I ran a subway when I was 16. It was insane. Ashley writes, I ran a KFC at 17 with all my friends. Now the Daily Dot has reached out to Jade and Zaxby's but they have not gotten a response back from either the chain or the girl. What the hell is wrong with people that they wouldn't gladly accept a promotion and I'm sure a hefty pay raise that went along with it? Kids these days, what a mess. We'll be right back. Little red circleback girl Jen Pisaki has found a new creative way to try and excuse inflation in America. 
the Biden administration and their little spokes puppet, Jen Psaki, will come up with any reason they can except to place the blame squarely where it belongs on gropey Joe Biden. Take a listen to this very short quote from Jen Psaki and try not to laugh too hard. The president, the secretary of agriculture have both spoken to what we've seen as the greed of meat conglomerates. The prices are higher. That is in his view uh, and the view of our secretary of agriculture because of, you could call it corporate greed short. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Hey, where's the beef? Well, they tried to blame it on Donald Trump. They tried to blame it on OPEC. And now they're trying to blame it on greedy meat conglomerates. But hey, Jen Psaki, hey, gropey Joe Biden, it's not just meat prices that have gone up. Let's think about it now for a moment. Gasoline prices have gone up, has nothing to do with meat packers. Heating oil prices have gone up, has nothing to do with meat packers. Prices of frozen vegetables have gone up, has nothing to do with meat packers. Price of furniture, up, nothing to do with meat packers. Prices of drugs and clothing and other food products and electronics and entertainment. The cost of going to the movies, the popcorn, all gone up. Nothing at all to do with meat packers. Nice try, little red. Maybe you can fool some of the people, the less than average Americans, those who secretly will admit that they voted for gropey Joe Biden, but don't dare anymore, any longer, say it out loud. They've peeled the Biden-Harris stickers off of their Priuses, and they're praying to God that people won't notice that they voted for this failure of a presidential administration. Now, gropey Joe Biden believes the lies that are written for him on his cue cards, his teleprompter, and in his own feeble mind, he thinks the Democrats are unified. He thinks they're going to do well in the 2022 midterms. Take a listen to this quote from the feeble commander in cheat. We want as a unified Democratic Party, more unified than ever. Now we look at 2022. I want to tell my Republican friends, get ready, pal. You're going to in for a problem. And we need to stay unified. We have to keep making the case. And if we do, I believe we're going to win. Oh, is he going to be in for a surprise in the 2022 midterms? How can you possibly think you're doing a good job, Joe Biden? You're blaming meat companies for the overall poor job of running the nation's economy, Mr. Resident. Are you really that stupid or that senile? Or do you really think the American people are dumb enough to believe it? Now, we know about half of them are, the half that supposedly voted for you. But the rest of us, we are awakened to reality, not woke. We are awakened to reality. And this is the Truth Hurts program. With Christmas being only 10 days away, lots of you folks out there will be thinking about desserts at Christmas dinner. If your desserts are made with cream cheese, I want you to listen very closely to what I'm about to tell you. Kraft, the maker of Philadelphia cream cheese, will pay people $20 to not make cheesecake for Christmas, to not make ooey-gooey cake for Christmas this year. According to CNN, Kraft is using cream cheese shortages 
in America as a marketing opportunity. For just a few days this holiday season, a limited number of people will be able to spend $20 on dessert and charge it to Kraft, the owner of Philadelphia brand cream cheese. The premise behind this scheme is people who can't bake cheesecakes because they can't find cream cheese can get another baked good on Kraft's dime. Here's how it works. People interested in this special offer can visit a special website set up by Kraft. On December 17th and 18th, up to 18,000 people will be able to nab the right to get reimbursement for a holiday treat as long as that holiday treat does not use Kraft Philadelphia brand cream cheese. They'll be able to submit receipts to the Kraft company a few weeks after the holidays. For the Kraft company, this campaign is a way to soften the blow of empty cheesecake shelves. Thank you, Joe Biden. And keep customers thinking about Philly cream cheese without souring the brand for not being available. Cream cheese is the latest hard-to-come-by grocery item in a year of shortages brought on by the poor management of our nation by gropey Joe Biden and Camel Toe Harris. A spike in cream cheese demand during the pandemic had made it very difficult for Kraft to keep shelves stocked, they claim. According to the company, last year, with more people baking and eating at home, demand for cream cheese jumped about 18% when compared to the year before, and it remained at high levels of demand, according to Kraft, all the way through this year. Restaurants, too, are ordering more product. Junior's Cheesecake, which sources its cream cheese from Philadelphia, said last week they're struggling to get enough supply of the key ingredient. They've been forced to occasionally pause cheesecake production. New York City bagel shops have also reportedly struggled to get enough cream cheese to satisfy their customers. To keep up with demand, Kraft is pumping funds into its Philly brand, investing millions of dollars hoping to increase production capacity. Nowhere in this article, by the way, does it say what that website is. Great reporting. Talk about a website. And then, don't post the name of the website. The company has temporarily stopped making a limited number of Philadelphia brand products so that it can increase production on its more popular items, those nice little half-pound bricks of Philly cream cheese. I just thought I'd bring that to your attention. Seemed like an interesting story. Score another win for Donald Trump, another defeat for gropey Joe Biden. Out of New Orleans, a federal appeals court has dealt another blow to the gropey Joe Biden administration's attempt to undo Donald Trump's remain in Mexico policy. In a ruling Monday night, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans wisely upheld a Texas-based federal judge's decision in maintaining Trump's policy, known as the Migrant Protection Protocols. Joe Biden's administration had appealed the August decision, but it began working with Mexico to re-implement the policy while the legal battle continued. Earlier this month, U.S. authorities sent the first two migrants back to Mexico. Ooh, a whole two of them? Ooh, two. Well, the immigration crisis is over, y'all. We sent two migrants two illegal immigrants back across the border. Monday's ruling by the three Fifth Circuit judges say the administration's move to end the policy was arbitrary and likely capricious. 
It violated federal immigration statutes requiring detention of those in the country illegally pending removal proceedings. If there's no capacity to detain them, Judge Andrew Oldham wrote for the panel, the statute allows the Department of Homeland Security to return them to contiguous territories while proceedings are pending. Biden suspended the program, if you recall, on his first day in office in a neener, neener, nanner, nanner, boo-boo moment to try and stick it to President Trump. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas formally ended it in June illegally. States of Missouri and Texas sued to reinstate it, and a Texas U.S. District Judge issued an injunction keeping the policy in play, saying the administration failed to follow required procedures for ending it and did not have capacity to detain all illegal immigrants seeking asylum. Mayorkas issued a revised version of the policy in October, but Monday's ruling said the revision simply reaffirmed the termination decision that the states had been challenging all along. Here's the bottom line, folks. Gropey Joe Biden is saying, <laughs> I want to get my Donald Trump programs, and I want to be a hero to the illegals so they'll vote Democrat. <laughs> that, my friends, is about all the time we have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program for Wednesday, the 15th day of December. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody, and we'll see you on the next program. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are free speech protected under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Mm-hmm.